What's up, man? Nada. Just uh, getting ready for the holiday. And uh, there's a holiday. Was pumped when I, there's a holiday. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Black Friday. Exactly. Black Friday. Yeah. <laughs> small business Saturday, in all seriousness. I, I do. I should rep small business Saturday. That's uh, that's a legit holiday we can all get behind. Are you are you a small business guy? Do you shop local? I do. I'm fortunate because I live close to a small kind of quaint downtown Main Street America type thing. So I am fortunate enough to kind of have a lot of small businesses. You're outside of Chicago. I am. I am uh, about 15 miles straight west of the city. Oh, like and I'm, uh, right outside of Chicago. Yeah, I can usually see the uh, skyline from most of the uh, most of the areas I drive around. So close enough uh, where I get to enjoy it, and uh, far enough away where if I need to, can just kind of head out. All right. So I need to get. How, have you, are you from Chicago? What's your What's your situation? Yeah. So I was born uh, just directly south of the, of the city, and uh, I even went to college downtown at uh, the University of Illinois Chicago. So. I, uh, Cubs or White Sox? Uh, White Sox. Okay, we can be friends. I hate the Cubs. I, I, so it's one of those things where, you know, I grew up on the south side, and one of my buddies got his driver's license like two, three months before I did. And the first thing we did was drive up to a Sox game because it was, you know, a 40-minute not even drive. Yeah. And so I think once you start to go to those games with your friends – it it just kind of wears on you a little bit but my mom grew up on the north side so she's from evanston in that area mm. and so she uh she loved the cubs which made it a little bit awkward but uh i never mm. let on too much and never never told her i hated the cubs but uh you know you can't root you can't root against your mom's team in front of her that's how no, i looked at that's, it <laughs> no, that's bad form no i wouldn't do that i i'm still just i'm a little uh a little i just Part of my soul is left in 2016 when the Cubs destroyed. Well, they didn't destroy, but when the Indians lost to the Cubs. So I've not recovered uh, from that fully. So that's all. If, so, I would have. I would have. I would have held a little bit of that against you, even though you had nothing to do with it. If you were a Cubs fan, it would just. It would have just tainted this conversation even more. Um, no, and you it, grew up Indians fan, though. You grew up an Indians fan. Yeah, well, yeah I am from Cleveland, so yeah, born, yeah, about about an hour outside of Cleveland, so. Um, Grew up an Indians fan. Uh, it started in the worst of times in the early 90s when it was the old municipal stadium. Uh, you know, five people in the bleachers and then got to watch the whole, like, I grew up, like, in the heyday of, like, Indian, like, the 90s teams, like, with, you know, those crazy good lineups and stuff. So, um, yeah. Well, we can both uh, we can both share our uh, sincere love for Jim Tomey. How about that? Can find a, uh, an easy, easy spot for love there, hopefully. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. Although he was my favorite player. So, like, I had his jersey and everything, and then he left. And I'm like, oh, you're just – and I, I've I've gotten to a place of peace with it. It's not it's not positive or negative. I just – I guess I accept it. But I did – there was a very long period of time, like, dude, why did you – because he said he wanted to stay. It's like – and I think we offered him more money, and or I don't know what it was. Or, I don't know. Actually, uh, Philadelphia offered him a little more money. But um, – yeah. Anyways, it was just it was I was I was in a freshman in college. I was like, oh, it's just like the, my world ended. So, but, um, <laughs> um, what's more interesting though is that I know. I mean, we've obviously crossed paths quite a bit, but I know very little about your relationship with insurance. Um, and it's interesting, and I'm curious. 
what made you kind of put yourself where you're at right now in the industry? Definitely. So uh, backing it up to uh, my sophomore year of college, I was done playing baseball, uh, kind of not by choice. I was fortunate enough to play for a uh, pretty competitive junior college, had a handful of my friends that got drafted. And uh, I ended up at, like I mentioned, the University of Illinois, Chicago, and uh, wasn't playing baseball and took a health economics class as part of my econ major. And just started to see the dynamics of the healthcare industry and thought that, you know, what a job I needed a job and wasn't playing ball anymore. And kind of just saw through that class, something that caught my interest and a, a friend uh, had a, had a father who owned a, a health insurance company uh, back home. And I just said, look, I'm taking this class and I'm really interested in getting involved in the industry. So, can I have a job? <laughs> a lot of people say, you know, they fell into the industry. Um, you know, I, I didn't come from anybody in my family having that background. Um, but I, I was pretty intentional about wanting to get into it hmm. and um, ended up actually doing some health insurance work, uh, but found myself actually doing a, a lot more work with the Northwestern Mutual team that was in the same office. And so that kickstarted my, uh, Kind of insurance career, spent a good three, three and a half years selling life insurance, uh, doing health insurance, really enjoyed myself. Um, but I, I did an exit because I found myself enjoying marketing and advertising um, quite a bit. And so I joined uh, forces with my younger brother and my older brother. Hmm. And I tell those two stories because I, you know, intentionally got into insurance. Um, and then I was 23. So I started um, selling insurance when I was 20. By the time I was 23 going on 24, just wanted to explore what was out, what else was kind of out there. And fast forward, I've had a handful of jobs um, inside the insurance industry. So I worked at a, a, as a life specialist for a captive agent. Um, I worked at State Farm inside oh, of their agency. No, no, Pat, we can't. State Farm, we can't say that around here. Well, I didn't stay. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, and, and interestingly enough, that's a interesting kind of transition um, coming from the independent agency side is, you know, through that process, I started to recognize the different value that different kind of setups brought. And with my marketing background, what I found was that at State Farm, I was going to probably create more of a telemarketing setup with staff and team. And we were going to really just probably hammer the phones on just a, a flat out lead and, and follow up type of, of setup. And it didn't really lean on what I felt like were at least somewhat well-developed marketing skills. I, I wanted to build a brand um, myself, build a, a culture myself. And, and so I, I began to disconnect kind of from the captive market and uh, actually left to join a brokerage, a commercial brokerage um, with a friend's father. And again, really just found myself enjoying the client interaction side of it. So a lot of people, you know, I don't, maybe it's a fair question. I don't know. I look at it and say, here's the deal, right? I'm not an agent because I enjoy the marketing and advertising side of it. I enjoy communicating with people more about the product, more about 
the process than I do maybe selling an individual product or an individual brand. And, you know, quite frankly, I just found myself enjoying the agency atmosphere, but really not enjoying uh, the production side of it. Um, and I was constantly working with agents that I felt like were just better at all the different niches. And so just slowly transitioned into the marketing side of things where had a handful of agents that kind of engaged me on um, more of just a one-on-one -on -one level to help them, um, you know, two agents to help them transfer from being captives into being independent brokers. Um, and inside of that process, I had to shop for insurance myself for the first time. So I really wasn't buying from either somebody I worked for um, or worked with. I was actually a consumer. And what I found was, you know, I, I just called everybody and when I narrowed it down, you know, if I would have just called two or three people, I probably would have saved myself a few hours. And really there was just some simple questions that I could have answered that would have kind of just got rid of a handful of the options that didn't make sense. And, you know, from there, that's really where HedgeQuote started. And really all HedgeQuote at this point is, is just kind of an ongoing conversation about where is the best place to shop for insurance in the US, whether it's personal lines, commercial lines, niche products. And that's where I find myself focusing because I enjoy it. Um, it's you know challenging. I, I'm building kind of a scratch shop, if you want to call it that, um, on the marketing side of it. I'm in a challenging industry right now that I think is really at a pretty interesting point as far as agents making decisions about what the next 10 years are going to look like. Um, but yeah, I, I, I found myself kind of all the life experiences, career experiences I had, enjoying marketing, enjoying interacting kind of with the insurance crowd, feel like the conversations that we have, um, you know, they match up with who I am. I'm kind of that person that'll walk around a restaurant and say, wow, I'm glad I don't insure this place. And cause I'm looking at the stairs that are <laughs> not up to code. Right. So, total nerd about that type of thing. And uh, yeah, that, that's how I found myself kind of in, in, in this arena where I'm having that conversation daily. I'm secret shopping agencies, calling them up and seeing, you know, what they're all about, the kind of clients they're looking for, um, really trying to dive heavily into the insure tech conversation to understand what those platforms look like. I don't really get into the actual like agency products, the the software platforms that service the agency. I'm really more focused on the consumer facing brands. But uh, at the end of the day, Joey, I tell you what, it's it's a conversation I enjoy. If somebody says insurance sucks, um, I like to walk them back from the edge, so to speak. And uh, yeah, I, I just enjoy kind of interacting with people on a handful of different levels. And when it comes time to say, what do you do? You know, I, I help people shop for insurance. So. Maybe that gives you a little bit of idea how I got here. Yeah, well, certainly. And I'm, I'm, I always enjoy rolling my sleeves up and just, you know, letting somebody have it that says insurance sucks as well. Um, just depends on if, you know, what mood I'm in and if I feel like they're saved, if there's somebody that can be saved on that. Um, so this, I'll be honest, right? Like this is, this is something like the, the angle that you're taking. Uh, it's interesting. It makes my head hurt a little bit. And I'm trying to think, you know, what's the end game? Like, where do you see this going? Like, what is your ultimate, like, in a perfect insurance world, like, what does HedgeQuote become? Yeah, so I, I, I think I said this the other day on Twitter. I think there's a lot of clicks that develop online. And I think, you know, agents, um, we all 
agencies, people in the industry tend to stick together. Um, but what you don't see a lot of times is kind of an, a click that's based on consumers, right? So not just uh, an aggregator model, not just uh, information model, but uh, something that takes more of a proactive step towards, um, I, I hate saying group, but there's really no better way, right? Helping to filter people to the agents and the agencies and so in some circumstances, the platforms that make the most sense. So hedge quote is about opportunity cost, And the end game for me is to really be an effective referral for the consumer shopper, right? For the, the individual shopper that maybe just doesn't have the time, maybe feels like they need a second look. Um, just fi somebody that can figure out what that initial step is so that you don't spend seven or eight, you know, phone calls that you didn't need to do calling up people because you don't know, you know, you don't know where to go. So the end game, uh, I'm coming up on one year where I'm getting ready to publish kind of my first article about what I experienced, you know, shopping agencies, interacting on all the different online platforms. And, you know, I hope to basically say not these are the best places, but so far, these are the these are the brands, these are the agencies, these are the individuals that, you know, I've been able to tar interact with. You know, these are people that are out wanting to have the conversation about insurance. And, you know, I think the number one disconnect right now that happens between the consumer and the insurance industry itself is just tone, overall tone, whether it's the marketing that kind of just commoditizes everything, drives the idea that the only reason you should shop for insurance is to save money versus agents that, you know, unfortunately day in and day out, watch people make poor decisions when it comes to their planning and maybe have just become a little bit, you know, numb to the empathy part of it because they just interacted with so many people. Um, I, I like to, I like to think that I'm targeting agencies that, that are, taking care of that tone issue, right? That put the client at ease, put the shopper at ease so they can have a conversation about what they really need versus, you know, spending three hours just calling all these different places, trying to get a quote and, you know, being so tired that you just pick out the one that's got the best price. You don't even dig into, you know, the actual conversation. So I don't picture us being a huge volume play, a huge volume game, like a lot of the SEO targeted types of things. Uh, but I do envision us having a, a pretty unique kind of ability to target agencies on a micro market level. And hopefully, you know, year in and year out, I can grow the agencies. I know the agents that I, you know, have interacted with on multiple occasions, not just a quick phone call, so, that type of thing. So do you want, do you want to ultimately try to attract consumers and then send them to those those top performing agencies or or do you like what like, what does that exchange look like yeah so the second part of it is you know i i i understand that with my insurance experience i, I came into this knowing that best case scenario i had a two to three year kind of uphill battle before i could even begin to say okay i'm making strides right so um you know when i look at it I, the initial thing is let's have a quality network. Let's have the ability to say, I've interacted with these people. You know, I know they're going to match up based on this criteria. Um, 
but you know, growing that network, seeing that expand year in and year out, that's where you want to see the growth of it. That's where you want to see the opportunity of it. But and I've always said this, I think the share economy, the gig economy, if you want to call it that, is probably the most unique opportunity that's coming. Millennials is too broad of a topic to say, oh, I'm going to target millennials. That's just too broad and too wide. But when you look at the share economy, the gig economy, you know, I think agents have an opportunity to utilize different vendors, different uh, people that can do short-term projects for them. And I also think that that new client base um, kind of creates a unique opportunity where, you know, it's not influencer marketing because that I think that's really taken a negative spin where it's <laughs> it's fake celebrities that don't actually return ROI. But I think there's a huge opportunity for people to replicate in a lot of ways what I do on a daily basis, which is just interact with that that individual shopper and and help them find the right place to shop for insurance. So, you know, the second part of it is building out an affiliate network and showing other people that, you know, mar insurance marketing, going out and interacting with people based on, um, you know, again, a, a pretty universal need for whether it's auto insurance, home insurance, what have you. My goal has been for the last year to create 10,000 jobs in the insurance industry, not to create AI that removes jobs, um, but to create that, that individual marketing person that's out there trying to find people shopping for insurance. And then that person's bringing it back into the hedge quote platform where the affiliates not making any, given any insurance advice. They're just out there identifying people that could use some help coming through me and our you know, license network to get a referral to the right insurance person that's where I see driving the traffic and, and that's where I see creating the jobs. You know, I know obviously the traffic's the important piece of it, but the job creation part of it, I think is what is the passionate part of it, right? The, when I first started an agency, you, everybody had, you know, an unlicensed person that basically confirmed and set appointments and maybe took payments in some circumstances. They never gave insurance advice or, you know, obviously never sold any policies, but, the amount of appointments and the amount of follow-up that, that that person ended up doing was amazing. And now when you see people interacting on Facebook, on Twitter, on all the different social networks, I, th I just see that person shifting from, you know, a desk and a phone at the agency to somebody that given the right tools and the right direction can be a huge asset for, you know, the agencies inside of our networks. So, you know, I got to, I just got to crawl and have a, a network worth being referred to, to start with. But the second piece of it is empowering those people to become, you know, marketing professionals um, with an insurance focus. Yeah. I would, I would think that this would lend itself to creating a lot of that content, the best of, and, and such like that, as far as, you know, like, do you have a, a geographical footprint that you're targeting? Is there really someplace that you're starting first? Uh, I mean, or are you just hey, saying like the whole country is at my disposal? So I, you know, I, when I all started and I really credit agency nation because I think you do such a great job of being a, just a central point for people to meet and have meaningful conversations. It is. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I led with the affiliate piece. So I covered the legal aspect, right? <laughs> yeah, <I> would, right? <laughs> but you know, when, when I do take a look at, you know, when I do take a look at kind of the agency setup, 
when you look at all the different aspects that, that kind of come into play with the modern agency itself, you know, you have to, and I've heard this a couple of times that the reality is there's probably more agencies that are going to take on a full-time marketing professional. Um, I think we both know Danny Kimball. And when you look at what she does, it's, it's not just a, you know, we put up videos that educate our consumers. There's recruiting and there's so many different things that go into that. Um, so it, it ends up, I think being in, you know, I find myself focused more on the marketing side of it, but I still think it is about, you know, developing where you see value. And so that's kind of a long winded way of saying, no, I, I, I don't think this is nationwide yet. Obviously I'm really good in Illinois. I think we do a really good job in the Midwest and, you know, North Carolina is another great example we do a really good job in places where, you know, we've grown comfortable with the agency. We understand the dynamics. What does it look like if a claim happens? So I, I hope by this time next year that we do have somebody in every state, but right now we don't because, and, and you probably see this as well, that there's a lot of really great agents out there and there's a lot of people working hard there's still a lot of agents that you can't even find. You don't even hear from. And, you know, how, how do you gauge an agency that you can't go to their website? You can't find anything on Twitter that they're engaged in the conversation, you know, versus yesterday I was riding my bike and I popped on Instagram live and an agent in Florida hopped in and was just chatting back and forth. with me. <laughs> All I was doing is riding my bike is kind of just saying, Hey, I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving. And, you know, ultimately that kind of interaction is where I find myself targeting markets where I say, okay, this is somebody that we can rely on. They've been an agent for a while. They get it. They've got support team. It really ends up not being too scientific. It ends up being kind of a gut call where you say, Hey, look, I feel really comfortable with this group. So obviously I target, you know, California, we do a great job, Texas, Illinois, kind of the whole Midwest, North Carolina, New York, right in that area are the spots that we do a really good job now. So, you know, I'd be remiss to not say, look, on a, on a platform like this, I hope I can find more conversations like that, right? Agents that are out there proactively creating content, you know, I know that's not their job, but when you're visible to that client and that shopper, that's what they see. They go, to the, they go online because that's where they're doing the same things I do. You can call it secret shopping like I do to be cute or creative, whatever. But the reality is it's research. And, you know, so that's where I go and say, okay, if I say Joey is just a great asset, I got to realize that, yeah, hopefully they'll take my word for it. But in the digital era, they're probably going to do a few more fact checks, you know, a few more follow-ups. And so for me, that's been the, I guess that's been the endeavor for, you know, over a year now is to say, hey, you know, who can match up on that level where, you know, the client's going to follow through and ultimately have that quality conversation. Because, you know, when I talk about the amount of time we save people, the opportunity cost that, you know, hopefully we save people kind of from expending, the goal isn't to just spend less time on insurance. It's to spend more meaningful time. It's to say, look, we saved you three hours, have a half hour conversation with the agent about what you're buying so that you know what to do. That's where I see the ultimate value coming into play in the long run. 
Yeah, it's, it is fascinating. Like I said, like I think about it and I, I my brain just, it is, it is a very unique approach uh, that I don't know that anybody else is taking. And I'm curious, you know, we kind of talked about the ultimate vision, but for the industry in general, we've got a lot of different opinions and ideas of, of what, you know, of what, you know, people think might be possible. Um, you know, if, if you had to kind of lay down what you would like to see, um, you know, you're obviously banking a lot on the independent agent and their ability to perform and to continue to perform, you know, into the future. What, what, what is, what does that look like for you for, you know, agents yourself, the consumer relationship of, of again, having better conversations? How do we continue to make that easier? What tools are we missing now that we need and what parts of the relationship aren't we paying enough attention to? Um, you know, I, I, I do think a lot of high performing agencies, um, I think that is the model of the future. I, I think agencies are probably going to kind of, the, the bigger agencies probably will consume smaller ones. So I, I do see consolidation is probably a reality for, for most agencies and probably a good thing. Um, so kind of through that process, hopefully what has always been great about insurance to me is, and we've talked about it, right? Small Business Saturday. I grew up in the Midwest. So every little league team that I ever played for, you know, was sponsored by a local insurance agent, you know, whether it was independent or one of the captives that, that was always, you know, those guys were always at the fundraisers. That was always just one of those groups that were always so involved in the community. So I think there's a ton of value in that still that main street branding and that main street accessibility. Um, But obviously I think to get bigger, there's going to have to be some consolidation. So I think the real winners are the ones that are just embracing the technology pieces that make sense for their, their agency. Um, But, you know, the simple things at the end of the day, the things that I hope come out of the, out of the industry isn't okay. Pat can go online now and he can get a quote in 30 seconds. He can bind it in 90 and he can get on with his life, you know, and I hope that's not where we end up at. I hope that people still have that conversation because, you know, the house that I live in versus the house next door, you know, we have two different sets of needs for just our homeowners policies. And so, you know, as we kind of move into the digital side of things, I think the agents that are going to win are they're going to be the, you know, the Chris Paradisos that have that, that main street feel to their agency. But when it comes time to do anything, they've got a mobile app to back it up. Um, the Seth Zaremba's that, you know, maybe you're a, a shopper and you go online. If you go online and you see him and you see what he's talking about and the respect that he has inside of the industry, wow, what business owner, what, what person wouldn't want to work with, with his type of company. And so, I think that being visible and being accessible and empathetic that insurance is maybe difficult for people to kind of summon the energy to, to talk about, just being accessible and really being, I think, out there, interacting with clients, interacting with consumers and, you know, really working backwards from that. What, what are the consumers talking about? What do they want? And, you know, I think that's where people will win. It's not going to be a single product. Um, it's it's certainly not going to be, <laughs> excuse me, an individual carrier that'll just change everything because, again, people have different needs, uh, you know, door to door, let alone region to region. So, 
I think agents are just going to keep doing what they're doing. They're going to keep adapting. And, you know, the ones that are out there having those conversations on Twitter, getting on Quora, getting on Facebook, um, interviewing your interviewing your clients, all that type of stuff, being a real resource like they've always been for the community. Um, I don't know why anybody would want to replace that.